Welcome to the Less Stress Family Podcast, where we believe you are fallible and what you do matters. This is episode 122. I am Justin. And I'm Shauna Wood. How are you, honey? I am excellent today. How are you? Awesome. I'm great. Thank you to everyone listening and journeying with us. We keep having more and more listeners, and I hope you're having an awesome day. Yes. Okay. Today's topic is, what is this? It's opposite day. (laughs) Opposite day today. (laughs) Do you remember that from elementary school? Please tell us, honey. How did it go? (laughs) So, something along the lines of, you would say something like, no, I don't like that boy. And then somebody would say, oh, it's opposite day. So, you said you don't like him. That means you really do. <laughs> like, what are the origins of that? I have no idea. I don't know. Were you the one who who would tell people it's opposite day and then no, laugh at them? You no. were the ones. I didn't imagine you would. Yeah. You, you weren't? Me. You really? Were you that person? Honey, I, I was too mature for that. <laughs> Okay, so we have a story today because we're talking about doing the opposite of what everyone else is. Yes. Because if everyone else is doing something, you probably need to do the opposite of it. <laughs> well, I think it's just asking the question. It's not necess- It's not doing the opposite just for the sake of doing the opposite. It's asking the question, is what everybody is doing the best option? Which means no, it's not. <laughs> Is everyone on Twitter? Yes. Okay, you don't need to be on it. Is everybody on Facebook? Yes, you don't need to be on it. Well, I think a lot of times the best isn't the easy and comfortable. Right. And what most people do is the easiest and comfortable Okay, option. let's talk, let's just tell the story and then that can help frame kind of what we're talking about doing the opposite of. And this comes from Tim Ferriss. We, I really like Tim Ferriss a lot. Uh, I don't agree with... I don't say most stuff, but I don't agree with some stuff that what he says, but I really appreciate his pursuit of new things. Yes. He's the guy who wrote the four, four hour work week. Right. And he does all kinds of, he treats himself as like the human guinea pig and he will try all kinds of things. So I really appreciate his, his approach to life mostly. <laughs> so, okay. So this is his story that I'm reading. In 2000, I was selling mass data storage to CEOs and CTOs in my first job out of college when I wasn't driving my mom's hand-me-down minivan to and from the office in San Jose, California. I was cold calling and cold emailing, smiling and dialing, and it was brutal. For the first few months, I flailed and failed. It didn't help that my desk was literally wedged in a fire exit. Then one day, I realized something. All of the sales guys made their sales calls between 9 a.m. and 5 p.m. Seems obvious, right? But that's part one. Part two is I realized that all of the gatekeepers who kept me from the decision makers, the CEOs and CTOs, also worked from 9 to 5. What if I did the opposite of all the other sales guys just for 48 hours? I decided to take a Thursday and Friday and make sales calls only from 7 to 8.30 a.m., and 6 to 7.30 p.m. For the rest of the day, I focused on cold emails. It worked like gangbusters. The big boss often picked up the phone directly, and I began doing more experiments with, what if I did the opposite? What if I only asked questions instead of pitching? 
What if I studied technical material so I sounded like an engineer instead of a sales guy? What if I ended my emails with, I totally understand if you're too busy to reply and thank you for reading this far. Instead of the usual, I look forward to your reply and speaking soon. Presumptuous stuff. The experiments paid off. My last quarter in that job, I outsold the entire Los Angeles office of our biggest competitor. <laughs> there we go. I love that story. I've heard him talk about that story. And so he basically went from slaving eight hours a day to basically working, what was it, three hours a day? Hour and a half in the morning, hour and a half at night. Right. And that was it. <laughs> and he just crushed it. <laughs> Not saying he didn't work in between there because he's like a crazy psycho worker kind of person. But that's pretty simple. And I love that his idea of approaching things, he was going the opposite in his approach, opposite in his questions, mm-hmm. you know, that kind yep. of thing. Yep. So what does this have to do with the rest of us? It has a lot to do with our approach in life, right? Right. You're going to tell us about that, right? Okay. <laughs> so I think a problem is that we can get stuck in doing things how they've always been done. And like right. we and want different results, but we feel stuck in doing the same procedures every day. Right. And um, we always want to do what always has been done that way in that pattern. But we also, it's almost like a morality. Like you're a bad person. If you don't do it this way. If you question, if you question how other people, how other people have people done, done things. Because you're saying, I don't believe, your basic underlying is once you talk to those, if he talked to those salespeople, they would have been like, no, that's stupid. Don't do it. This is how you do it. Right? If he asked for permission, you right. know what I mean? Right. Because there is this cultural, I don't know, it's just morality almost that we expect you to do it this way. And if you don't, you're a terrible person. Right. Well, I think it's like you're challenging the collective wisdom. Oh, for sure. And that is threatening to people. Exactly. And socially, it's almost like by questioning things, you pose yourself as some kind of superior, which you're not really, but that's how it can be received. Right. And so I don't think he asked in that story for permission to do that. I don't think he did. And I think that's part of the key mindset is... How do I think outside the box and basically don't necessarily seek permission to do (laughs) some of these things? Right. Right. Right, right. Depends on the situation, obviously. Right. So it makes me think a little bit about the Einstein quote, or at least the quote that's supposedly said by him, that insanity is doing the same thing and expecting different results. So I'm going to say that cause of stress is when you're desiring different results, but you feel locked into the same behaviors and systems so the solution then to relieving some of that stress is to think through are there opposite ways that you can do some things and I think there's a lot of different areas we can look at like we can look at like the timing because he talked about the timing of his calls was the opposite of what the other sales guys were doing but then also his approach was different because he changed up the wording and the psychology of his conversations right i feel like it's such a brilliant thing if i can i do something the opposite that question makes me try to understand what i'm currently doing it makes me step out zoom out you know like a trying to get a better perspective so i really have to analyze what i'm doing then I have to analyze how that impacts other people. Like he had to think about if if he does the opposite, not nine to five, then who will he be talking to? You know what I mean? Like he had to process through that. 
And so I feel like you just, just even asking the question puts you ahead, right? Not that you have to act on it, like kind of like you were saying earlier. You don't have to do everything you question the opposite of. But there are some things that are definitely worth doing the opposite of. Right. It's almost just a pattern interrupt mm. just to ask the question. So other things, so we talked about timing and approach, um, you know, questioning who is it that does it? You know, is this a task that someone else can do? Questioning the location or the sourcing that something is coming from or that you are physically in. And I think COVID has been a great example of that. Like all of a sudden we had this pattern interrupt and people questioned, can I only do the work that I've always done in the office from a different location? Right. And before, if you'd even asked that question, the business, you, if you said, hey, I'm not coming into work this week or the next three months, <laughs> uh, is that okay? Like, <laughs> that no, okay that's not okay. You can't do that. You know what I mean? Right. But there were people who were trying to get more and more days at home to work. Right. But now it's like, oh, we don't need this six-figure building that we're setting in. <laughs> you know, it's like there's going to be consequences for this doing the opposite of COVID. You know, COVID has forced people to do the opposite. And so we're starting to see things change. Right. I think, I because think, it's been like a collective, right. all of a sudden, let's do the opposite. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And <laughs> there's that, consequences to that. <laughs> that has felt major for all of us. So on a smaller scale, we'll, we'll take away everyone working and doing school at home in, an, in a different location than what they're used to. Small things. You know, we have asked ourselves a lot as we've been on the homeschooling journey for a very long time. I think you and I have both processed. The reason why I love this question, because we have always asked, like, how can we not do things like everyone else? Like, that's pretty much the way we (laughs) live. That is very much our personalities. (laughs) Yes. Like, oh, we want to get married to each other. Well, let's just have an arranged marriage. (laughs) Right. You know what I mean? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, we have have a knack for going against the grain. Um, But even like, as we've gone through different seasons of homeschooling, like we're not doing it this year because my work schedule has changed because of COVID. But last year we homeschooled almost exclusively at night. Right. So, yeah. So we're going to give some, these are some practical examples of how we have thought opposite and how it's, I won't say it like it's, but once you, how do you say it's not ingrained in stone that you have to keep doing it opposite. Like you're saying. So last year you were traveling homeschool, it was hard to do during the day. Plus, we we're fighting against a lot of different things that we're not fighting against now. And now, we're like, hey, we don't have to do school at night. We can do a little more relaxed schedule during the day. Right. And, you know, again, like in Tim Ferriss's article, he says he asked the question, what if I did the opposite for 48 hours? So just looking at it as an approach and a season, not a forever thing, Right. So that's how, you know, and even with our homeschooling, every year we reassess, like, is this the best thing for each child? And should we be doing the opposite in these different ways? And just like Tim Ferriss, like he did his sales job and it was just him doing the sales job. So he could set his schedule different. Well, for homeschool, it takes us 48 hours just to get a plan to get all eight of us shifted gears <laughs> and then another 48 hours to kind of lay out and then tell everybody you know what i mean like right. it takes us a week to bring a change right because it's it's hard to steer the ship so that is something i think that's important to think about if you're gonna do the opposite you better get the whole team on board doing the opposite <laughs> otherwise right. you're gonna 
True that. You're going to get assassinated. (laughs) (laughs) Right. So this also made me think when I was in college, I had the opportunity to study abroad in the Netherlands and my host Dutch family, both parents worked part time and they had an incredible amount of family time together. And it was the first time that I had ever seen that. It wasn't a model that I was accustomed to. And I was like, this is so opposite but I love it like it took me a while to wrap my brain around it but I was really drawn to it and so that's kind of been something that we have tried to get to that place you know and again it changes in seasons but instead of looking at one person as the primary bread earner and one person as the primary person at home what does it look like for both people to be in both roles right and there's a lot of sacrifice with that oh yeah there is but there's a lot of great things that happen from it too right so but that's kind of where you have to i think what are your pain tolerances <laughs> what can you because you're, you're gonna have to suffer in some way or you just have to go work harder you know what i mean and, and do more hours especially at the beginning or can you suffer through not having as much money because you're living the lifestyle you want right so those, those are choices you just have to work through So another one is sourcing and location. So we kind of talked about location as far as working at home and people doing virtual school and that kind of thing. Um, But sourcing, like where are you getting the items that you want? And I feel like this has become a much more popular topic lately as we've seen all of the supply chains starting to break down um, because they were very frail. Right. And so starting to question, you know, even on the most simplistic level, people typically buy their bread in the store. And when we were all in lockdown, people were making their bread at home. <laughs> right. So something had changed. Right. Right. Because before, if you said, hey, I want everybody in America to make a loaf of bread. This is people would have looked Congress. at you right. like you were on drugs. But then COVID happened and everybody's making bread. Right. Did you make bread? No, everybody except for our family. <laughs> we went through the bread making phase. We we've ha- we have a we've been there and done that, yeah, and that's yeah. fantastic. Yeah. Um, so, but that's another another question. Like, where are we getting our food? Where are we getting our clothing? Where are we getting these different things? And is that something? You know, in some ways, the farmers market, the local farmers market, and that whole movement has been an opposite of getting food that's traveled thousands of miles. And we started, I would say our overseas experience caused us to be like, wow, fresh fruit, fresh everything is really nice. Like I grew up, you know, my family all gardened. Uh, Your family did a little bit. But yeah, but I think our overseas experience, then we started having kids. We're like, wait a minute, how do we want to live our life? Do we want to make more money so that we can spend that money in the grocery store or do we want to grow our own food more? Right. And we're not like, <laughs> but I think, I think a percent, you can measure that in percentage, but a lot of our meat, like we eat a lot of venison. We eat a lot of venison. Right. Um, because that's something that we can hunt locally. We can hunt locally. It's really for the hours trade for the hours and time. Um, for us, it works amazingly well. Uh, but that week of hunting is very important to us. Right. <laughs> you know, like 10 days of hunting is very important. But um, we also have a lot of uh, beef, local beef and that kind of stuff. So that's something we were like, let's just do the opposite of everyone else. 
Now, obviously, we still eat toxic chicken and all that other stuff. But we used to we used to have our own milk cow. I had two jerseys. <laughs> that was the best days of my life. <laughs> I would hand milk uh, Jersey cows. It was awesome. And I would just sit out there and I'd talk to the cows and I'd pray and I'd talk to the cows. <laughs> <laughs> and they never talked back. But um, then we'd have meat birds. We had chickens and we would grow uh, our own meat birds and then harvest them. So we did a lot of that stuff. We kind of gotten away from some things uh, because where we live now, we have so many coyotes and foxes and everything. They just eat our animals. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> so that's kind of, we've had, again, we had to make some changes. But you can't do all of that. It's hard. Like, we would spend, if we spent all eight of us, all of our time and energy, I still don't think we could grow all of our own food. Right. If that's all we did, it still wouldn't be enough. Like, it's it's impossible almost to be that self-sufficient. But you have to question what source are you getting? <laughs> what source are you willing to pursue that's opposite of whatever everyone else has? Right. And again, just asking the question is important you know just having that pattern interrupt of because we all tend to go on autopilot right so asking those questions stops us makes us aware and maybe we love what everybody else is doing or what we're doing and we want to continue it but just asking the question has so much value yeah so you know again going back we started out with its opposite day from elementary school (laughs) going back to like high school with everybody's doing it yeah. <laughs> and, you know, that that could be a red flag. Like if you realize that every that you are doing what everyone else around you is doing, that could just be a flag that you need to check yourself. That you're becoming more stupid. <laughs> That's what it means. I mean, for myself too, I'm like, oh, I'm just doing it. This is okay. This is dumb. <laughs> I should not be doing everything. I need a pro I need a filter of some kind. So <laughs> And one of the things, you know, even just looking at like what are our expectations for our kids and, you know, is it okay if we just say, well, they can, they can spend all this time playing video games or or whatever it is because that's what everybody's doing or is there a different path that we want to call them to? Something we've implemented, we just bought a a keyboard, a full size keyboard and it's amazing how much our kid, one of our kids is playing with two hands already. Isn't I know, crazy? like in three days. Yeah, three days. So, um, but we use musician. Uh, so, yeah. Com. But that's one of the things we're like, listen, we don't mind for our kids to play video games, but we're going to be opposite that our kids need to learn to play an instrument. Because guess what? Like instrument playing is becoming less and less because kids just play video games. You know, right. <laughs> so, it would be interesting to see the numbers on yeah. that. So that's just something for us that we've picked up, and, and our kids have, have accepted the challenge. I think. Right. Um, so. So this is a great way just <laughs> yeah. to model too. I think you know. I mean, I remember my mom saying just the cliche things like. Well, if everyone jumped off a bridge, would you, you know? And so I think, though, this is another way to kind of parent and teach the same lesson is when your kids see you questioning, is there another path that's better, that's less traveled? Um, And so then they start to pick up on that and they start to ask themselves their questions. Right, which is so important. And for me... It is very important that I keep that mindset of trying to do the opposite, or at least entertaining the opposite. 
Otherwise, I might just like crush my children, right? Because whenever I tell them to do something, sometimes they do the opposite. You know what I mean? And it's like, I need a little grace for them. I need a little grace for myself to be like, "Mm, maybe it's okay to break the rules sometimes. Right. (laughs) You know? Yeah. Awesome. So if you do play this opposite game for 48 hours or a day, or you just ask the question, or you start to do it for a season, I would love to hear about that. You can connect with us on our Facebook page. If you just search for The Less Stressed Family on our website at lsfpodcast.com or on Shauna's Instagram account, Shauna Cherie Wood. Most of all, though, guys, we want you to remember that you are valuable and what you do matters. Blessings. Thank you. <laughs>